Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from Lead Pastor Jamie Miller. We are uh, moving along through this series called Journey to the Cross. And uh, Jesus is sharing with us the things that are the most important in life on this particular uh, message. So if you remember the first, we started out on the Sermon on the Mount. We're doing these mountaintops, did a couple messages there. Then we went to the Mount of Transfiguration. And now for the last couple of weeks here, we've been at Mount Zion. This is the night before Jesus dies. It's his farewell address that he's bringing this word to his disciples. And like I said last week, I mean, you say the most important things when you're about to say goodbye. You hit the things that you really, you've thought about. These are the most important things. Hey, really, remember this. You know, you're going to college. Remember this. You're going to school. Remember this. You know, you're, I, I love you and I, you're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty woman of God. We'd say that relentlessly to those kids. But that's what Jesus is doing here. So in John 13 and 14 last week, we looked at that. He said, hey, you know, serve one another, love one another, follow me. When you get stressed out in life and you don't know what to do, remember, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Follow me and walk in my presence, find peace in the presence of God. So all of that's happening. Now we're jumping into this this next week. And what I want to do here is instead of, you know, going verse by verse through John 15 to 17, that's too much, right? But I, I do want to go. This is the end of the farewell address, and I want to go to the end of the end because I think we'll find there some really, really important words that Jesus wants to speak to us today. So let's look at this. John 17, verse 24. Father, this is the end of the high priestly prayer. Father, I want those that you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you've given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. And I, I want us to get this, this piece here that Jesus is connecting the glory of God to the love of God. Jesus glory is the fact that the father has loved him from all eternity. This is the center of the center of the center of the center. And this is the foundation of our faith in Jesus Christ, that God is triune, a relational God of love. gives me chills just saying it I love it oh Lord open our eyes this morning that we could see wonderful things in your word so I want them to see my see my glory and that you've loved me from before the creation of the world righteous father though the world does not know you I know you I know you and they know that you've sent me no one else knows him there's no other way to the father no one has ever seen the father but the son no one's ever going to get the Father revealed to him except those the Son chooses to reveal to him. So that's the way this whole, thing's, this whole thing works. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you've sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Wow, that is such an awesome section of Scripture. 
the relational God of love. Jesus, at the end of the words that He's praying, the words that He's saying, I want you to know this. I want you to get this. I want you to have this. I want you to own this. I want this to be a part of your world, your life, your thinking, your soul, all that you are. I want you to know the Father's love. I want you to have the Father's love for Jesus Christ inside of you. There was a day in October of 1993. And what were you doing then? Besides waiting to be born. Just, just messing with y'all. October 1993. You know, I've read so many different verses in the Bible, but in October 11th, 1993, I read John 17, 26, and it changed my life. It was one of those, you know, the light shines, the dust particles are floating through the light shining from the... And I was like, wow. Because I'd already loved Jesus, but I realized in that moment that I was going to be loving Jesus with the Father's love for Jesus. And that this was going to be an eternal thing. And so for the last 24 years, I've been meditating on this verse and thinking about it and just praying it. God, Father, give me your love for Jesus. And as I've thought about that over and over for all these years, it keeps expanding. It keeps getting bigger and better and more grand and more wonderful. And I see that God really is triune. The relational God of love from all eternity. From before He was Creator. This is even bigger than Creator. There was a time when God became Creator. But this is from all eternity. Come on. I mean, yeah, right? That's awesome. And so it's so mind blowing. It's so wonderful. It's so awesome that he is the God of love, relational love. It's the center of the center of the center of the center that the father loves the son in the spirit and wants that love known to all the world. It doesn't get I mean, I say other stuff, but it doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any deeper or more sublime than the father loves the son in the spirit. Then we can just stay there. We will be living in that for eternity. And it's just mind blowing. That's why some of the common illustrations of the Trinity don't quite, I mean, they're, they're good. They're, they're, they're hell, you know, the egg, you know, you got a yolk and a white part and a shell. But there's something just, it doesn't quite stir your heart for like this kind of passion, right? You know, water, steam. Ice, ooh, man, I'm just moved to a, like a, or, or a shamrock, you know, it's, it's a plant, but it's got three distinct parts, you know, it's, it's, it's not that those things are wrong, it's just, it's so much more, so much more beautiful, mind-blowing, relational, relational, relational. From the beginning, you know, our, this is, our problem is right around this area. There's different ways of talking about the fall. One of them is that, you know, we were blinded and we couldn't see who God really was. And so we, we run and we hide and, and we miss God. We miss who he really is. But another way of talking about that is we, we cut off God's flow of love to us when we took the throne. When we ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it just it, we all experience this. There's no one exempt from experiencing this cut off love. 
And what happens when we cut off love like that, it's like love that we were intended to receive from God. Instead, our love becomes twisted and it kind of turns in on itself. And so like Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.2, we become lovers of ourselves. We were made to be lovers, but outward flowing love like God's outward flowing love. But instead, that love, instead of flowing out, it gets turned in. Lovers of ourselves, lovers of things, lovers of pleasure. And so it becomes gnarly and twisted in and kind of a trying to grab something that would fill this empty place inside of us and nothing will. We become life seekers from other things and people instead of the life giver. It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult place. Martin Luther said this. He said, the sinner is the person curved in on himself, not looking to God, but inward looking, self-obsessed and devilish. Devilish. We don't use that word a lot. Devilish. Um, I don't know what the context would be. You know. Well, that was a devilish. I guess like if you're looking up movies, there's a bunch of stuff from hell on any little just like, wow, that's right out of the pit of the darkest depth of the bottom of the devilish pit of hell. (laughs) Who wants to watch that? I don't get it. There must be a market for it. Be scared out of your mind. Oh, that was great. Um, But it did make me think about the screw tape letters. Reading that quote from Martin Luther made me think about the screw tape letters. Y'all ever heard of the screw tape letters? C.S. Lewis, great author from the last century. And in chapter eight, he talks about some of this stuff that we're talking about now. I don't know if we have a, a quote up, but I'll just I'll read this quote. One must face the fact that. And so you've got in screw tape letters, you've got screw tape, who's kind of a senior demon. He's writing to his junior demon nephew named Wormwood. So Screwtape's writing, he says to to Wormwood, one must face the fact that all the talk about his love, talking about God now, his love for men, his service being perfect, perfect freedom is not, as one would gladly believe, mere propaganda, but an appalling truth. He really does want to fill the universe with a lot of loathsome little replicas of himself, creatures whose life on its miniature scale will be qualitatively like his own. Not because he has absorbed them, but because their wills freely conform to his. We want cattle who can finally become food. He wants servants who can finally become sons. We want to suck in. He wants to give out. We are empty and would be drawn and and, uh, and would be filled. He is full and flows over. Our war aim is is a world in which our Father below has drawn all beings into Himself. But the enemy, talking about God, wants a world full of beings united to Him but still distinct. And that is at the heart of what our Trinitarian perspective on God is. That God is so marked by love, one for another, that there's no other way to describe Him but to say one. And yet, He is distinct. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Isn't that powerful? Now, He wants us formed in His image so that in college with our brothers and sisters, we are one and yet distinct. We don't merge into each other and stop being us. We're not a drop in an ocean that's just lost. 
We are one as a people here at Christ Fellowship, but with all of this beautiful, diverse distinction because the barrier's down in Jesus Christ, the wall's been broken, and He's made us to be one new people in Himself, right? One new people in the Messiah, in King Jesus. And that's what He's wanting to do, not just here at Christ Fellowship. He's wanting to do that in the church, in the city, that this church in Fort Worth really would be one with all of our distinctness in the city. All the, the high church and the middle church and wherever we are. I don't know. But just all of that beautiful diversity. You know, just people that say amen. Some people that just kind of try to take it in. And that's all right. It's all right. So that's what God's doing. If I was to boil this down to one main thing that I'm talking about today, it's this. Jesus wants us to see that the way we move forward is to stay in the love, the outrageous love, the unbelievable love, the, the Niagara nonstop love, some adjectives, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how we walk in life. That's how we move forward. That's what we're talking about today. It's an invitation to God's love. That's the end of this whole thing. So number one, Jesus invites us to stay in His love. To stay in His love. Here's a great verse to memorize. If you haven't memorized it, here's a good one. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in Me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from Me, you can do nothing. So, Without Jesus, apart from Jesus, how much can we do? This needs to go super deep in our hearts so that even though we try to do stuff in our own strength and our own, you know, that we'll remember the stuff that really lasts is the Jesus stuff. The stuff that really matters in, in our lives, whether whatever we're doing with business or whatever vocation we find ourselves in, He wants to connect it to Him and have that life lived out through us. And so this call is to stay in His love, to remain in His love. And that's huge for our culture. It's a hard thing for our culture because we live in the land of a thousand distractions. We live in a time of a thousand distractions. We live in a day where you can have a thousand distractions in one day. It's like bonus round. Like staying focused on something is really hard. I'm in a season right now where I'm really trying to stay focused on something, even in my downtime, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to get some things done. And I'll even put a little timer on my desktop at 45 minute blocks during this 45 minutes. Jesus, help me, help me to focus, help me to not because I'm like, hey, quickly distracted or just that thought. Hey, I wonder I'm thinking about this. I'm focused on this. But what would something off the Internet help to clarify that thing? And then eight minutes are gone. Nine minutes. It's gone. Like gone forever, gone. Then a lot of times I didn't get any benefit out of it at all. And so it's kind of like, I'm going to compare this to a dog. If you'd put this beautiful picture up on the screen. Okay. These two guys are my daughter and son-in-law. Aaron was leading worship this morning. It's Aaron and Emily. Emily, that's Bosco. Real serious guy in the front. And Bricks, the uh, little more... Uh, she's, she's actually climbing over him right now. I don't know if you can see the, the fullness of what's going on there. And he's going, my goodness, I had it all going. I was here first. 
Then he brought this other dog named Bricks in here, and life has gotten harder. These dogs are not uh, reflective, meditative, contemplative dogs. They're of a different sort. They're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're much more bouncy. Uh, <laughs> it's hard for them. So when I go over, hey, Bricks, and Bricks is doing 92 circles around me right here. He's here. He's here. He's this guy. I like him. He's my granddad, sort of. He smells like that little bitty dog they have over there that I like to get to submit by putting my rear on her head. And he's here. He's here. And so the, the point, though, and there's a point, is that we are like dogs sometimes, you know, because Jesus is saying, remain in me, stay in me. This is how you live life. And so I'm trying. Ah, and I just, you know what I'm talking about? Staying in his, focused on Jesus, looking to him. I'm trying, Lord. And then, you know, I'm whatever. And so there's a call on us to be people that know how to, when the Lord says stay, remain, remain, stay, stay. That this is part of the grace of God in our lives. That we learn to abide in Jesus because good things happen when we do this. It's an invitation. And when we stay in His love, we learn. And I could just go through the rest of this. There's so many things in this passage. But one of them is we learn to share His love with others. When we stay in His love, John 15, verse 9. And you know you're out of shape. When you've lost your breath because you went. <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> okay. John 15, verse 9. As the Father loved me. So when we stay, when we remain, this love starts flowing through us. As the Father loved me, so I loved you. Remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So it's not complicated. It's just hard walking out sometimes. And doesn't it help for us to know like Jesus isn't going and a big long list that runs back to the back of the room of all the things that you're supposed to do. He's just saying, Love one another. Now, that's hard to walk out. We need the power of God to do that. But that's, the, that's it. And when we do that, then we remain in His love. When we love others, we remain in His love. And then we're able to, it's like that love thing starts getting opened up and we're able to share that love with others. And the joy that comes with that is promised to us. When we walk in His commands, His joy flows through us. As we love other people, we receive that love. We give that love. We get Jesus' own joy flowing on the inside of us. It's the exchange life. There's nothing like it. We give up our life, but we get His life. For, for to me to live is Christ. You know, I've been crucified with Christ. I don't live anymore. It's Christ and His life in me. Now that's a journey, but that's the definitive truth of what God has done for us in Jesus. And it's good, good news. So when we stay in his love, we learn to share his joy, to, to share his love, to walk in his joy. And then this this next one is kind of hard. 
And that's to keep going. We learn to keep going when we remain in Jesus. Now, the keep going part's hard because Jesus promises at the end of John 15, if you just turn the page there, that, hey, if they persecuted him, they're going to persecute us. If they hated him, they're going to hate us. We don't get to be above Jesus on this thing. We're following in Jesus steps. He's teaching us how to walk on the journey to the cross. And our life really is an ongoing journey of, of descent. You know, it's not how much can you be as a person in life. It's how much of Jesus gets lived out in us. And that's that's where the life is. That's where the, the living is. But there's this this hard stuff that's promised to us. We don't like to hear it. I'm literally writing this point on my computer on Thursday and an email pops across my notifications on the top of the computer screen. And it was from the Baylor Institute of Religious Studies. And it said, what is to be done responding to the global persecution of Christians? And we don't talk about this all the time, but we need to talk about it. If you don't know, you need to know that there were more martyrs in the 20th century than in all the centuries combined up to that point. That's how many people were killed for Jesus in the, the last 100 years. So it's a big deal. Last year, this study, and they were inviting me to a thing in Washington, D.C., not going to be able to go, but it was, it was interesting. I watched a little video that they had done and, and just saw a woman that had had her uh, husband killed in front of her and her children there, and she's just crying, loses it. They can't keep filming. It was powerful. Just like, and made me cry. You know, like, this is my sister in another nation, in India. This is my sister. Last year, 100 million Christians were persecuted. 2016. Now, it doesn't mean they died for their faith, but it means that something happened. They were displaced. They lost their homes. Something, family persecution. Could be physical persecution. Could be death. All of those things are in that, in that category. In uh, Istanbul, in Turkey, right now there's less than 1% Christian. Turkey, Istanbul. A hundred years ago, there were 33%, the population was 33% Christian. Now, how did that number drop like that? Some people went through some hard times. They were persecuted. They were pushed out of the country is, is, is a lot of what happened. There were some dif different uh, st stuff down through the history of that country. But Jesus said, Look, you're, you're not immune from these things. And even though we live in a bubble here in Fort Worth, a bubble in America at a certain measure, Jesus said, if you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. And there's stuff that happens. It just looks different for us. It might involve family members. It might involve being shamed or shunned or not fully accepted because of your faith in Jesus Christ. It looks a little different. It may not look like physical stuff right now. But Jesus says, follow me through it all. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit, which is the second point. We need the power of God in our lives. So he invites us to stay in his love. But because of all that leads us into, he invites us to receive the Holy Spirit. And if you've got paper outlines, I think it says John 15, but it's actually John 16, verses 12 and following. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. But when He comes, the, the Spirit of truth, He will not speak on His own, but He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to Me by taking from what is Mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine. 
And that's why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So again, you've got a fully you know, triune perspective there of the Father's giving His all to the Son. The Son is giving His all to us. The Spirit's reminding us of all of that that's been given. So we need to receive from the Holy Spirit. What is it more than anything else the Holy Spirit wants to give us? That which most fully and completely describes Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus. And what Jesus, more than in, the, the truth of all truths, the center of the center of the center, before the universe was ever made, the Father loves the Son in the fullness of the Spirit. Okay? So, Holy Spirit, would you just come in the church and just bring glory to Jesus Christ by revealing the Father's love for Jesus in our midst and absolutely rock our world and change the way we live life and think about everything related to everything. That this is the center of the center of the center. Jesus Christ and His relationship with the Father in the Spirit. Whew. feel like I'm preaching. So we go through all this stuff. And no matter what we go through, we need this revelation. We need the revelation of the Father's love for the Son. Because God loves, He gives us the freedom to respond. And a lot of times we end up putting things at the feet of God, and it's not God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it's the God that we've created in our minds, little G God, that kind of is a grab bag for all the things that we don't like in the world. And that God's not really God. But there is the true God is the God that Jesus Christ reveals. And there's not a God behind, off in the distance, somewhere behind the God that, that Jesus reveals. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can't say anything deeper than what God reveals of Himself in Jesus Christ. And it's arrogant. This is different from the first service. It's arrogant for us to think that we can say something deeper than God's self-revelation of Himself in Jesus Christ. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get bigger. It doesn't get grander. It doesn't get more wonderful or deeper or more theological than what I'm talking about right now. This is the center of the center of the center. The Father loves the Son and the Spirit. You want to go deep? You want to, I mean, you, you want to just have your life rocked? Stay right there. Because for eternity, we're going to be right there. And it's incredible. You know, what He's revealing about Himself. It's, and so, in a world where we don't understand where, why everything happens the way it does, and some of those things we'll understand at some point in the future, but it, love has a part in explaining some of the things that we don't understand. It's that God has brought freedom of response into the world. He wants us to respond to Him in love and not be robot automatons that can only do what He tells us to do. Love me, okay, I will love you. It doesn't work like that. James Mark Gully was at the uh, discipleship school on Thursday night. And what, he was talking about some of this and some things he didn't understand. And he realized that there is this love response that God's going for. And he said, when I proposed to my wife, and she didn't know I was going to propose, had the box, the ring, you know, and he lays that out for her. He said, there was a moment when I asked, will you marry me? When I had passed the ball, I had uh, offered the rock, passed the rock, whatever. 
And, and the things were now in her court. How was, how was Maria going to respond to James Mark? And that's what God has done with us. He has come to us as His bride. And in all the revelation of God, He's saying, I want you to marry me. I want you to willingly, with your whole heart, give yourself to me and to be mine and mine only. And not a thousand different distractions, but I want your mind, your heart, your soul, all that you are to be mine. And He gives us the power to do that. One day, I know there's mystery in some of this. One day we're going to understand. But in the meantime, He gives us His Spirit so that we can navigate the stuff that we don't understand. And he talks about some of that in uh, John 16. He talks about uh, these tension places, grief and joy. You know, you're going to go through hard things. And it's like it's like a woman giving birth. Um, you know, and I'm not going to say a lot about that. This, well, you know, just it seems like a good idea not to say too much about it. But. But on the other side of that pain is is joy, the joy of what's come into the world. Another tension place would be our identity. Just, you know, we talk a lot about having our identity in Christ, but you don't just kind of figure that out and move on with the rest of life. Your identity continues to be molded and shaped so that you can continue not just to look like Jesus and do morally the things that Jesus did, but so that you can understand more of the revelation of God's love. So that you can understand more fully who God is and how He feels about the Son. Again, Jesus comes on the scene 100 times in John says, God is my Father. This is not, this is not the back burner. This is the, the center of the center. So I'm trying to really emphasize that. Testing and growth would be another place where it's like it's hard for us sometimes. We grow through our testing. Graham Cook said it this way. Testing happens so that we can grow from measure to fullness. And what he was talking about when I was listening to a message a couple of weeks ago is that, that you know, Adam and Eve were in the garden. And they were, there they were in the garden, and that was a measure of what God wanted to do in fullness in having them rule and reign in all the earth. And so our testings lead us through those, those situations of life where we go from measure to greater measure. And what if testing is just part of the process? What if the Holy Spirit is coming to to bring us grace and power and life for the testing so that we can grow and so that we can walk in joy. I mean, what if that's the purpose? So that's, that's helpful to us. Grief, joy, identity, fuller revelation, testing and growth so that we can be who we are on planet Earth, so that we can be who we're supposed to be in Fort Worth, at TCU, in our schools, in our jobs, in this city. Amen. Last piece, and I'll just finish with this. The last piece is that Jesus is inviting us to love Him with the Father's love. That John 17, 26, we've already talked about it, that we would have the Father's love for the Son of God. And it's no coincidence that this is the end of the prayer. It's no coincidence because this is His heart for us. He wants us to get this more than anything else. Father, I want the love that You have for me to be in them. And if we could just, if I could just pour it in, I would. You know, this Father's love for Jesus. We want to love Jesus with the Father's love. You might even just put that in your own words. We want to love Jesus with the Father's love. Father, give us your love for Jesus Christ. 
Oh, Lord, do that. That is so good. It's so right. It's so true that the Son from all eternity is the object of the Father's love. And without that from all eternity, the Father isn't the Father from all eternity. But He is. That's why it's such a grand truth to us that we need to have as the the foundation and bedrock for who we are. It's the hope for humanity that this would become real. That our desires would become shaped by the love of God flowing through us. You know, there was a rebuke that Jesus gave to the Pharisees one time. He said, if you knew my father, you would love me. But you don't know him. Your father, and it gets kind of hard, is the devil. But if you knew my father, you would love me because that's what he does. He loves me. So how do we do this? How do, how do we live this thing out? Living this out is the Christian life. Living it out is practicing what it looks like on a day-in, day-out basis to have outward-centered love. And what happens when we get filled up, here's what happens. When we get filled up with God's love, and we're about to pray here in a second, but when we get filled up with God's love, that twisted inward love of the fall, just gnarly and all of this, but when we get into the baptism of His love, where He starts loving us, it becomes too much for this the, the dam of our twisted love and, and it breaks this hand gnarled out open to give this love to other people. And it gets filled up again and, and it breaks that out to where we are love receivers and love givers. And we can stand under the Niagara and whatever twisted broken, turned in on itself kind of love thing you've happened to you or is happening, God's love can meet you and He can change your life. The Holy Spirit comes and He makes that real love apparent in our hearts, pours that out and changes us into the very image of the One that He loves and what our destiny is to be on planet Earth. And so, who needs more? That's the call today is I, I want more. I want to be filled up with this love. Father, I want your perspective about Jesus. Jesus, I want your perspective about the Father. Holy Spirit, come and make all of that tangible and real in my life. Y'all stand up. Worship team's coming. Ministry team's coming. And so, like we do if you're visiting with us we just take a little time at the end of every service to respond to God and uh, Lord would you just help us today we need you so much yeah and I just would say if you need to start a journey with Jesus it starts with faith and it's great to have somebody pray with you if you've not been baptized I encourage you to be baptized in water we've got a, that's coming up in a couple of weeks but just you start with faith. You start taking that step and saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I turn away from my way and I want to live with you all the days of my life. I want to be a disciple of yours. The second invitation is the things that we've been talking about today. It's just we're, we want to know his love, but there's all these things. There's our fears and our worries and our distractions and all this stuff that's coming at us. And every now and then we just need to put a stake in the ground and say, God, Reveal your love to me today. Pour your love out in my life today. And I just want to say more today. And that's, that's for all of us, but if you, you sense that hunger in you right now, then please come and get prayer or pray with someone that you came with. 
And God wants to move. He so wants to answer this prayer. It's the cry of our hearts. He made us to have that cry in our hearts. So Father, meet us today. Just pray for grace to just to have that more of You, that more of Your love answered in our lives and realized in our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, whatever your need is, if you have another prayer concern that I didn't mention, please come. This is one of the most important things we do right now. God moves in this time. Let's press into Him. If you got a prayer need, come. Want more? Come. Jesus, go for